0: Once again, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Geo and Joey podcast. We are on all your podcast players and here on YouTube if you're watching us. Joey, tell us what we're going to be watching here. By the way, how are you doing, Joey?
1: Doing good. Doing good. So this was a a video I saw a while back of Andrew Claybin, and I thought it would make some good content for discussion on some of the issues that we like dealing with on this podcast. He's an interesting thinker. He's kind of Different than some of the people on the right. And so I just I like his perspectives, and I think it can add to our project here for Protestant political
0: theology. Okay, brother. You want to dive right in? Yes, sir. Let's do this.
2: We're always hearing this country as an idea, and that is right. And the idea centers on one thing, which is liberty, individual liberty, the liberty, the freedom to do, say, think, worship. How you please, okay? When the founders said all men are created equal, they meant equal in their right to liberty. They obviously didn't mean that I'm as good of a basketball player as LeBron James. They obviously didn't mean that, you know, a smart guy is not smarter than a dumb guy. They didn't mean we're equal. They meant they were equal in the fact that we all have the right to liberty. And they said that. We have unalienable rights. Life was first because obviously that's the basis of everything else. But then comes liberty when they said that governments are formed among men to ensure those rights. They were talking most. Mostly about liberty again the opposite of liberty is woke the opposite of liberty is wokeness it takes away your individuality replaces equality uh, of, of the right to freedom with equity of results it utterly obviously destroys your free speech they I will talk about that more as we go on so fighting wokeness is the most important is the country the country is on the line
0: let me pause it there for a second what do you think of his opening remarks?
1: Right now, obviously there's the whole debate about, you know, Christian nationalism on the right and, but I like what, what he said, how he opened it. America is about this idea that all men are created equal in their right to liberty, and that includes right to speak your mind, right to worship or conversely, not to worship. I agree with him that wokeness is one of the chief threats to the West right now. But I think part of that threat is the threat of. An overreaction in the other way. So we can say, so the left says so we should trans the kids. Really what we should do is we should just oppress everyone who has any kind of sexual thing we do Deviance. Deviancy. They're an adult and they're not harming anyone. So we can, we can jump to these extremes and say, but I, I like what he says. People in this country, we do have a right to live within reason as we please. We have the freedom to do that. And the left, as much as we may not like what they're doing, they have the right to live their lives as well and to not worship, or to worship in the way that they see fit. That.
0: That's what we're all about on this podcast. We're trying to find that happy tension because it's never going to be tension free. But if we have a balance within the, our individual rights and our collective responsibilities to society, I think we can get along and move along. But right now, as Andrew Clavin is going to uh, show us throughout this video, is that Right now, the left side, the side that is against traditional value, seems to have all the power. Let's continue with the video.
2: And in the American mind this week, uh, two uh, scholars, uh, John Fonte of the Hudson Institute, he's a guy I know, he's an absolutely brilliant guy, uh, and Thomas Klingenstein of Claremont, who may be the only conservative in America I haven't met, I don't think, uh, they wrote a manifesto for this anti-woke caucus. It's in the American mind, it's called Woke Revolutionaries versus Americanists, because obviously woke and America are the opposite. And this is what they say. They say national socialism, Nazism, and communism were the challenges for prior generations of Americans. Wokism is the challenge of our generation. America is in the middle of a cold civil war between woke revolutionaries who believe America is and has always been systemically racist, evil, so that it must be deconstructed, delegitimized, i.e. destroyed, And those who believe that America is good and that its principles are the greatest antidote to racism ever created and that preserving America and its principles is the highest and most urgent political calling. Now, they are absolutely right about this and they give the caucus some very good advice, but they're wrong about one thing. They are wrong about one thing. The woke people are not the revolutionaries. We are. They already own the culture. They own every part of the culture. They own the businesses. They own the movies. They own the academies. They own showbiz. They own just about everything. They are just solidifying their victory. Now that they've won the victory, they're now bringing in the big guns, the real things. they like the Nazis take over France, and then they start rounding up the Jews. They're rounding up the Jews, basically. And the Jews are you and me. Anybody who disagrees with them, they're big business, they're the government, they're, they're academy. We are the revolutionaries, and we have to learn to fight like revolutionaries fight. And that's what I'm going to talk about. Disney. I mean, just an example. Disney. Once the fullest expression of American values and innovation, uh, it is now a body-snatched zombie of wokeness. They have taken it over. Uh, they reissued their old proud family show, I think from the 90s. Here's a snippet of what was in it, cut three.
1: This country was built on slavery, which means slaves built, built this country, killed this, this land from sea to sea to sea. First, there was rice, tobacco, sugar cane, then we made this thing to protect And we were its soldiers, four million, million strong, fighting for America's freedoms, even though we remained America's land. In this country, <laughs> this <laughs> <city> <laughs> <and> the descendants <things>. the slaves <laughs> did to build this.
2: He's built this country,
1: and we, the descendants of slaves in America, have earned reparations for their suffering and continue to earn reparations every moment we spend submerged in the
0: systemic prejudice, racism, white supremacy.
2: Now, it's an incredible. Everything in that is a lie. I mean, you know, slaves worked in this country. Uh, they worked in a lot of countries, uh, but they didn't build this country. This country was built in very different ways. Um, but, but still, it's hateful. It's a hate, uh, anti-American hate, being fed to your children by. Uh, a c- corporation that was made in America, by America, for America, by a deeply American guy, Walt Disney. Uh, so that's so they have won. They have already won. And, you know, Disney, the Disney CEO, uh, Bob Iger, just announced that he's cutting 7000 jobs and five point five billion dollars in cost. Uh, they had a bad uh, 22. But if you think that, you know, go woke, go broke is going to save you. If you think capitalism is going to save you and the market will stop these guys, you're wrong. You are wrong. Uh, first of all, their quarterly earnings and their streamer losses were not as bad as they thought they were going to be. Uh, and you're still going to watch Star Wars. You're still going to watch stuff that they, even though Luke Skywalker is going to be retconned as gay, you're still going to, you know, go back and watch those films because you love them. Uh, that You'll be sending them their money to Give that crap to your children uh, because money and, and they don't care because money is secondary. This ideology is a virus and the pa- people who have it have so much cultural power that people are simply falling over uh, to support them and back them up. This is what happened in the Soviet Union, what happened in China.
0: That was a mouthful. What do you think of what he said there?
1: What I, found so- what I find interesting about that, and I think it's a good point, is... Sometimes, like, we're so used to, like, we talk about, like, the counter-revolution of the sixties. We talk about the liberal hippies and, like, they were the ones uh, breaking taboos. And so we associate the left with, like, that kind of thing and say we conservatives were the ones defending tradition, defending the good parts of the system. Yeah, it doesn't mean we don't want to change ever. Things need to be changed sometimes, but we want to change in a way that's in accordance with the best of our traditions. And we kind of think of it that way. But really, those 1960s counter-revolutionaries, they won. I mean, they got Hollywood. They got many of our executive governing institutions. In other words, we're not fighting, yes, we don't want to maintain our constitutional system. There's things we want to maintain. But in a very real sense, we're working to kind of bring some semblance of sanity back to some of these institutions. And that's a different thing than just preserving the institution.
0: As I was listening to him, the way he's using wokeism is just another name for what's been tried before in other countries, which is communism and socialism. And we see that that doesn't work. It's never worked in history. Just look at what has happened to Venezuela and to Brazil. It never works. But you could see that they are so convinced their ideology is right that they play the long game. They've been at this for a long, long time trying to win the culture war and they've won it. And so I see his point that we're the ones now, the few remaining who dare to speak up, have to speak up and have to realize that if we don't speak up, we're going to get run over. But I want to pose a question to you. Based on our faith tradition, we know that eventually this is going to swing back the other way. Any thoughts to that before we continue with the video?
1: When fighting for sanity, and he's going to go on later in the video to make the point is like that conservatives aren't the majority, but he believes like sane people are the majority. And (laughs) i like to believe that, but that's why I like how he opened this, right? And he's saying, what is our ideal? Our ideal is not we don't want to oppress the left. We don't want vengeance against the left. We want to restore sanity. We want to restore decency and a sense of normalcy. But there's a danger there when it becomes vindictive, when it becomes, we're not just protecting our kids, but also we're going to get you. And so I think, yes, we should know what truth is and we should advocate for the truth and for the good, but we need to be conscious of overcorrection.
0: As I think about what's going to happen in the future, the overcorrection, I have to, in my own heart, have to realize I can't judge them by the overcorrection that has yet to happen. And so I have to team up with those fighting for traditional values and try to be part of what saves this country. Because right now, the trajectory of the country, as we have discussed in other episodes, one specifically on sex and culture that you can find on our YouTube channel, we'll link it at the end screen. We're headed towards the predicaments that JD Unwin spoke about. Let's continue with the video.
1: I had one more thought on these Go ahead. Chinese- so obviously, I believe Jesus is coming soon. I believe we're living in the end times. I think sometimes as Christians, we can take that to mean we should put our hands up. Because, and that's how we are saying, the opposite. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some conservative Christians can make is, we know everything's going to fall apart, so might as well let it happen. Uh, an accelerationist approach. A writer I really like, she says that we shouldn't do that. We should work to preserve liberty and liberty of conscience for as long as we can. Right. And so my thing is like, yes, I know ultimately, right. Things are going to get really bad, right. Before Jesus comes, I know that. And I believe that that's soon. But in my life, I, And in the political things I support and the cultural endeavors I support, I, I'm still going to work for the good. Right. I'm not going to throw up my hand and say, well, it's just going to all go to hell in a handbasket. It may all go to hell in a handbasket, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to toss the basket on the fire. Right. It's not going to be my hand that does it. So. I think that's something to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of the movie, Hacksaw Ridge, where he kept going back for one more. Just save one more. And I like how C.S. Lewis also puts it, the people who do more earthly good are those who are heavenly minded. We know how this is going to end. We know things are going to get worse, but I want to try to save as many people And I just don't mean that in the theological sense, even in the cultural sense, save as many people as possible because traditional values as our foundation leads to the healthiest, happiest people. When we deviate, and this is why in an article you shared with me, or I think you and I spoke about offline, is the young people are suffering from depression and mental illness at a higher rate than ever before. Well, when reality that they see doesn't match with the reality they're being taught, there's that cognitive dissonance. And if we would all go back to traditional values, there'd be better mental health. Let's continue with this video.
2: So we're always hearing this country as an idea, and that is is secondary. This ideology is a virus and the people who have it have so much cultural power that people are simply falling over uh, to support them and back them up. This is what happened in the Soviet Union, what happened in China. Uh, People will follow the the crowd around them, they will follow the crowd around them, even if they don't want to. They find themselves saying things. Things come out. I mean, you ever tell somebody you liked a movie because they liked it, but you didn't really like it, but you don't want to say it. And you don't, th- that's the way this works. This is a, a glitch in the human system. Now, at the same, th- you know, there's a full court press going on to stop uh, the or damage the release of the new Harry Potter. A uh, video game because J.K. K. Rowling won't bend the knee and she won't say that men can be women. She's not anti-trans. She's not transphobic. A state of mind that does not exist. A word that has no relation to anything in the truth. She just says the truth that men can't become women. We don't have the technology. It can't be done. It's like saying you, you know if you're a man saying you're a woman. It's like saying you're standing on Pluto. We can't get you there. Too bad. That's that's it. That's the reality. The game is going to come out. It's going to be hugely popular. I'm going to play it next week. I'll do a. a Clavin Plays video. I will release that on YouTube. And people are saying, oh, they can't stop Rowling because she's a billionaire and her books make too much money and all this stuff. Doesn't matter because the next person, the person just starting, the new author of a new Harry Potter can't get going. Even I've taken a for this, by the way. I won't bend the knee either. But again, if I were were just starting out, would I? Probably not because I'm me, but somebody else will. You know, remember Chick-fil-A? Chick, the president of Chick Fil A said he did, opposed gay marriage and gave money uh, to Christian charities and everybody. And then when they uh, when they attacked him, he stood up to them and Chick Fil A became the most popular fast food restaurant in the country because people were supporting him. Doesn't matter. Chick Fil A stopped funding those charities and announced that they stopped funding those charities because every time they went to open a restaurant, the activists were there. Uh, shutting them down. What do you think they're thinking in Colorado when they go after this baker every time and they destroy his life? He's a strong Christian man. He's standing up to them in faith. But what do you think about the next baker who just thinks, I just want to sell my cakes if somebody wants a gay wedding cake. So it's against my principles. I don't care. Capitalism will not protect you. The Constitution will not protect you. The cut loses the values that make them work. They're just, you know, they're just papers. Money is just paper. Everything is just paper, except those values in your heart. That's what matters. If, if God's values aren't written on your heart, they ain't in operation.
1: That's just such a great point. We can talk about the values all you want, but like, if they're not in your heart, right? Like when the pressure comes, right? When, you know, the example brought up of Jack Phillips, the bakery owner from Colorado, right? If you don't actually have your Christian values on your heart, right? You're not doing it because you love and want to serve God. When the pressure comes, you're not going to stand up for it. And I I like the point he's bringing it back to is is the cultural power Mm -hmm. that the left has, right? And like they go after Mm -hmm. Christian circles. There's, you know, with Harry Harry Potter, right? I'm not the biggest fan of those novels, Mm -hmm. but what I do admire, I admire her courage, right? The fact is He's gotten tons of hate from people who otherwise would be adoring her. And yet she's taken the hate because she's like, I'm going to stand up for women's spaces and women's rights. I like the point, right? She's a billionaire, right? She's, I don't know if she's a billionaire, but she's at least a millionaire, she's very wealthy. She'll be okay. But what happens to the next young creative person who maybe has a, a traditional view on something, but they want to get published. So they know the pressure is going to come. And so obviously we should say, you know, have courage, but there's a reason why these circles, they just end up being self-repeating, right? Because it's like the left comes, they go after these big people, the big people survive, but the little guy's like, hey, I know if I don't go along, then I'm going to be screwed.
0: People are pressured into get along to get along. And we know from the Bible that there's going to come a time where there's going to be economic pressure, where you won't be able to buy or sell. And in many ways, we see little foreshadowing of what is going to come, but that's why it's so important to be grounded in the truth. When truth becomes more valuable to you than anything else. And in our case, Gio and Joey, we believe in God, and God has told us that we're going to be hated for our traditional values, hated for the teachings we share that are from scripture. And when we know these things, when he has told us in advance of these things, truth then becomes more precious than anything else, and we will trust God that he will provide our necessities. But too many people aren't anchored in truth, whatever truth it is. They are tossed to and fro. They change their minds with any popular celebrity or popular politician. And that's why it's important that you understand truth for yourself and understand what is reality.
2: So they are the government. They are this power. We are the revolutionaries. And they have a strategy for making it seem like they aren't. That's how they fool you. They make it seem that they're the revolutionaries. They're the upstarts. They're the ones. You know, there was a House Oversight Committee about how Twitter, at the instigation of the FBI, blocked the Hunter Biden laptop to help Biden win the election over Trump. I've told you that this Twitter story is the biggest story uh, of the decade. It is one of the biggest stories of the decade. It's so important because it is about big government and big industry colluding to strip you of your right to free speech and to rig an election. That's what the story is. That's what's happening. So AOC just hates that she's there and she's in this thing. And she's got woke warrior Yoel Roth, who used to be on Twitter, used to be their head of censorship uh, before Musk came in. And she's talking about libs of TikTok. Now, remember, libs of TikTok, who we love on the show, we play her stuff all the time. All she does is show the left talking. She doesn't have any content except their content. She shows you what they are saying. And she keeps getting, she kept getting kicked off Twitter for that. Now she's not. So here is AOC uh, talking to Joel Roth about what she saw on Libs of TikTok. Are you aware from that from August 11th to August 16th, that account posted false information about Boston Children's Hospital,
1: claiming that they were providing hysterectomies to children?
0: Yes, I am aware of that and other claims from the account.
1: And are you aware that this lie was then circulated by other prominent far-right influencers?
0: Yes. And are you aware that all these claims, uh, which I have reiterated were false, culminated in a real-life harassment and ultimately a bomb
1: threat to the Boston Children's Hospital?
0: Yes, I am aware.
1: And this account is still on that platform today, isn't it?
0: Regrettably, yes, it is.
2: Now, remember, Libs of TikTok doesn't put out content.
0: Yeah, let me start here because this is what I hate because they lie through their teeth and because they have the media, because they have the radio waves, because they have the publications, nobody holds them accountable to it. I like how Andrew Clavin's going to make the argument when we start the video again. He said Libs of TikTok, they don't make any commentary of the videos. All they're doing is taking videos that the left puts out and retweets them. It's so frustrating. But before I let you jump in on that, I like how he said, capitalism is not going to save us. It's true because these people don't care about the money. All they care is about their ideology. And this is where I want to bring in spiritualness. The devil doesn't care how he gets you. He doesn't care about money. He just wants to destroy what he's trafficking is not money. What he's trafficking is souls. That's what he's after. And so whether he uses money, capitalism, socialism, communism, whatever, he wants to destroy people and nations and society and bring anarchy. So that's what they're after. Forget the money. The other thing is the Hunter Biden story. I remember that story around election time. And I remember the New York Post who broke it getting banned from Twitter. And as you and I say in private conversations, what's the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth about six months, because eventually it all becomes true. So the first thing I was going to say is I
1: remember distinctly, I don't want to be mean, but like the odds of the person saying it, like they will, while they were saying it, they had like the eyes wide, but there was a video Put out by Boston Churchill's Hospital. I didn't know what a hysterectomy was. I learned what a hysterectomy was by watching this video where they talked about gender-affirming hysterectomies. And on their website, it says we provide trans-affirming medical care to children, right? So what they're going to claim is, oh, what we mean by that is hormones, right, which is bad enough, but and not surgery. But we know that's not true, right? We know that they perform double mastectomies. And we know that at least in some cases, they perform these hysterectomies, right? They've admitted it. And yet, AOC is like, and I want to reiterate that I have said that these are false. These are false. Like, no, they've said it. But also on your point about capitalism. So I'm reminded of the fact that Karl Marx is the guy who coined the term capitalism. And like, I think sometimes we make a mistake when we let our enemies or we let our opponents Yes. Divide. So it's like, mm. I believe very strongly in markets, right? In free market, right? Because I believe in the dignity of the human person and I believe you have the right to your property. But I don't necessarily, like, I'm not here to cheer on, right? Multinational corporations that are, the line between public and private is murky. Blurred, back. Yeah. I mean, think of Google, right? They've accepted, I mean, in, in their creation and then throughout the years, right? First of all, they were created because of a government grant, right? They've gotten tons of exceptions. We created new categories of law. So in other words, like, I don't think like my free market principles means I have to like shill for Google and Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, yes, I do believe in markets. I am a free market person, but it's like, yeah, capitalism, it's not, it's not going to save us, right, ultimately.
0: Yeah, and I have friends that can vouch for me. I would have let all these car dealerships, car manufacturers fail back in 2008, but we bailed them out to the tune of billions and close to trillions of dollars. And so I am libertarian in that sense, free market. Yes, there should be some safety nets, but scripture says, if you don't work, you don't eat. There are exceptions, obviously, but that's basically one of the principles of free market. And also scriptures never call on the government to take care of the people. The people should take care of the people. But that's a tangent here. AOC and politicians, I don't, just don't want to pick on her. They, Both sides, really. They do it. They lie. They lie for talking points. And what bothers me is that none of these people are held accountable. Somebody should have called her out right there in Congress. But sometimes people don't even know within their own political realm what's truth or
2: not. So I went on the Boston Children's Hospital website. Here is what they say. As the first pediatric center in the country dedicated to the surgical care of transgender patients, we take an interdisciplinary approach. Our skilled team includes specialists in plastic surgery, urology, endocrinology, nursing, gender management, and social work who collaborate to provide a full suite of surgical options for transgender teens and young adults. That's what it says on their website, AOC. Now, maybe they don't do hysterectomy specifically. I don't know, it didn't say, but it's a lie. And this is the thing, I'm talking about the strategy that the woke people have for convincing us that they're the revolutionaries instead of us. Instead of They're the power, they're the power. Twitter is a powerful place. The FBI is a powerful stuff. They colluded to bury Hunter Biden's uh, laptop so that it would help Biden win the election. AOC is telling us this lie, and they all do it, right? This is what they do. They, they lie and they lie. They're not teaching uh, CRT, but it's good that they are. They're not uh, sexually grooming our children, but it's good that they are. Do you remember the movie, The Usual Suspects, where uh, Kaiser So they're talking about Kaiser Soze, the master villain, and nobody knows who he is, and the guy says, uh, channeling Baudelaire, the poet Baudelaire. This is what he says, cut five. The
0: greatest trick the devil ever pulled
2: was convincing the world he didn't exist. Right. That's the greatest trick the devil ever pulled. Good point.
0: Let me talk straight to the camera. That's exactly what's happening. Nobody believes in the devil anymore. The majority of the country, upwards of 90% of the people, are spiritual. They believe in spiritual things. But nobody seems to believe in the devil anymore. And he's after people. And he hates traditional values, nuclear families. He hates that and people are falling for it the
1: gaslighting the point he made about the gaslighting it's like we're not doing a thing the thing doesn't exist it's not happening and also it's really good that it is they're doing something and in one circumstance they're doing it and they're proud about it but as soon as a conservative or a right-wing person comments on it they're like who are you noticing ben shapiro tells this antidote all the time it's like about the face tattoo syndrome where you go to starbucks and your barista has mm-hmm. got a face tattoo And you're kind of like staring at it, looking at it. And they're like, what are you looking at? And they're like, the face tattoo. (laughs) That's what I'm looking at. You just did this thing. And so it's like, it's the same thing with all this drag shows for kids and stuff. They're like, why do you care? Why do you care? Why do you care? Well, you care. right? You're doing it. You inserted this thing that wasn't a part of our society. You didn't explain the reason why. And we're commenting about it. If you were to comment about the same thing in a celebratory manner, oh, that's fine. But the minute that you have any kind of criticism of it, they're like, well, why do you even notice? Why do you even notice? Why do you care?
0: You can't run around naked in the mall and then wonder why people are staring. And it's the same thing. The example Ben uses, and they do it all the time. And I like that you use the word gaslighting because it is a term and people can be gaslit. And that's why unless you have foundational truth, unless you have a fulcrum, unless you have a true north, unless you are grounded in truth, you're going to be gaslit and you're going to wonder whether you're the normal one. You're normal. If you believe in traditional values, you're normal. And look, we don't have to agree in every nuance, but the left has gone so far off the end, like a teacher used to say. People are become so open-minded, their brains are going to fall off. And we can't let that happen. Anything else before we go to the final clips?
1: Well, I, I completely agree with you. A slight correction on the, in 2023 in America, I think you basically can run around a mall naked.
0: I'm pretty sure perhaps in San Francisco, where you can defecate in the streets and you can have sex in the streets. Just Google the videos, people, or YouTube the videos. We're not going to show them here.
1: Want to save your eyes? Don't.
2: No. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That the woke people are pulling is not happening. It is not happening. And if you say it's happening, you're a bigot because it's happening and it's good. That is what they keep doing. They don't exist. It is exactly what the devil does. And that is no coincidence. You know, a lot of people on the right got upset about the Grammys and this uh, song by Sam Smith and T- Tim Petrus, a gay guy and a make-believe girl uh, guy. And they did the song called Unholy, which is a celebration of adultery. So they get a standing ovation sponsored by Pfizer.
0: Yeah, that made me laugh. The devil is sponsored by Pfizer, killing people left and right. We should do, and we will do, put it that way, an episode on the Geo and Joey podcast where we look at music lyrics and show you how they are purposely leading people away from God. This song is about adultery and celebrating adultery, but I don't want to say this is new. There was a song in the 80s called Secret Lovers about. Two people who were madly in love, but they were both married. What are we promoting here? And people can say, hey, look, adultery happens, but they're glorifying it. And if you think of adultery, it ruins individuals. It ruins marriages. It has a devastating effect on children, which is what we care about. Obviously, individuals can make their own choices, but nevertheless, Anybody who's in a marriage that somebody commits adultery, it's devastating. Nobody goes into a marriage thinking, I'm going to commit adultery and we're all going to be happy about it. No. And yet this is what is promoting. And I have a quote I want to share at this point. Look at this quote. It says, musical innovation is full of danger to the state. For when the modes of music change, the fundamental laws of the state always change with Plato. In essence, what he's saying, look, as the music gets more risqué, gets rowdier, gets crazier, its morality in the music declines, so does the nation. And we're seeing how since the 60s and rock and roll, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and now the music reflects the degeneracy of the culture. One thing
1: that I had on the Sam Smith saying specifically, I know we talked about that already, but Something I was watching Daily Wire backstage, if anybody wants to check it out, but I was watching Daily Wire backstage and a point Michael Moles made where he was talking about an older song. So this song, I it musically, like it wasn't really that appealing, like even like talent wise. But a point Michael made is like Sam Smith actually does have talent. He's actually a really good singer. And several years ago, he actually came out with a song that was basically this song. It was about adultery about a guy who cheats on his wife and the music video and song were basically saying how like he crushed this woman and was basically portraying it as this terrible thing and now you fast forward to this song that was done at the grammys with same story same setting same a husband cheating on his wife and yet now it's like oh daddy's going down to the body shop and they glorifying it right so it's like at a point that they made on the the backstage is like a lot of times these deals with the devil, like right? people talk about deals with the devil. It's not like, it's not worth it all, all ultimately in terms of your, your eternal soul and your <laughs> salvation, right? That's you the think? most, right? but like, oftentimes it's not even worth it in material, like in material benefit, right? Like that song, like, yeah, it transgressed the boundaries or whatever, but like musically, I mean, it, it was just kind of like, eh. It was it wasn't great, you know what I mean? So it's like so he sold his soul, you know, he's doing this to the devil and yet he's actually making worse and he was like leg.
0: <laughs> well, the devil doesn't care about money and, and awards as long as he can influence people. If you notice, and by the way, in the Gio and Joey show, we did a podcast, an episode on Alistair Crowley and how he influences musicians. And by the way, speaking of that, the Rihanna halftime Super Bowl show. It wasn't shown on TV, but at the end of her performance, there is video circulating on YouTube where she makes the triangle sign, which is clearly an allusion to the Crowley philosophy. So check that out. We'll put it at the end so you can look at that episode. But regardless, if you look at the trends of all these people who sell themselves to that philosophy, that Crowley philosophy. Their music starts off mild and family oriented in a sense. And they look clean cut and that's how they get you in. And then they try to drag you down a dark path and we can't let them play the same trick on us. Madonna did it, Jay-Z, Beyonce, all of them. That little Disney girl, Hannah Montana or whatever her name is. She started as a cute Disney girl, Britney Spears uh aguilero they all start wholesome and then they get into deviancy
1: when you're saying that like little Nas X, the guy who did he started out yes he started out aiming his music at kids and like parents kind of like now i think when you actually look at some of the lyrics in the songs they weren't really great for kids either but like that was very much what they're for right he went to schools performing his song uh old town road or little town old town road Right. He went to schools and performed a development, to schools. And then he released that, you know, video where he like does a lap dance on Satan and stuff mm-hmm. in the garden in the hell. Right. And he does that on the same channel. Right. He had purposely cultivated a following of kids. And then he releases this. And then what he says, his response is like, listen, I'm just an artist. Right. And I have the freedom to, to choose between, you know, what audience I want. It's like, yeah, but you purposely cultivated this audience. And then you did this. I remember we were watching little now sex videos, but we had some kids, YouTube, like innocent songs on in the background and then on for my nephew's birthday party. And then all of a sudden, one of the up now songs, I was like, like, I come The first image is this guy and like, I have to quick, go quick, shut it off. But because it was cultivated for kids, it's in the algorithm of kids. music.
0: They're calculated. They do it on purpose. They're after our kids. That's why I homeschool your kids. Teach them traditional values and be faithful to God. Ask for wisdom. Ask for truth. Ask for a discerning mind because they're after our kids. And if you get the kids, you get society because they grow up to be adults. Let's continue here.
2: Uh, they get a standing ovation sponsored by Pfizer. Uh, you know, I may be many things, but I'm not shocked by this. Remember, in the 1980s, Iron Maiden did this stuff. They had the number of the beast and all those metal bands had it. But then it was transgressive. Then they were the, the revolutionaries. Then they were shocking people and people were shocked. Not now. Jill Biden gave a speech at the Grammys. People cheered. They said we're all something. They sent out a tweet. We're all worshiping now. They are not the counterculture. We are. They are the culture. The Satanism is the culture. Worshiping Satan is not shocking to anybody. If it were, Jill Biden would not have been at that show. The point about this, this is important. It's important to the mentality of how you fight back. This is not a siege where we are protecting the glory of America. This is a a conquest. We have to take it back. We have to go in and take it back. They've got the Citadel, not us. We can't huddle and play defense and complain. We have to attack and replace. Let's talk about this music for a minute. Let's talk about how we got here with this music. Satanism was inherent in rock from the very beginning, from the Beatles singing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying they were Satanists, I'm not saying they were bad people, or anything like that. It's interesting, when you go back to the beginning of rock and roll, it was shocking to everybody because the music was so different, but it was really inherently decent. It was love stories. It was nice. Even if you take the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, uh, Sympathy for the Devil, right? Sympathy for the Devil was based on a Christian novel written by a Soviet dissident uh, called The Master and Margarita. And he says in the song, he says, he talks about how he was there. The devil was there when Jesus Christ died. And he says, uh, I stuck around St. Petersburg when I saw it was time for a change. I killed the czar and his ministers. And screamed in vain. So he was the Soviets. And then he goes on to say he was the Nazis as well. And he says, I hope you guess my name. Uh, but what's puzzling you is the nature of my game. Right. And that's that's the thing. So at, at the old rock had a certain decency, a certain actual Christian foundation. It was just a different kind of music. Roll over Beethoven. You know, it was a different kind of music. But in that music inherently it was going in this direction. I'll tell you why. All right. There was a, a book written, a famous book written uh, in 1987 by a guy named Alan Bloom called The Closing of the American Mind about the left's takeover of the universities. And in it was an attack on rock music so the, the, to this very day is ridiculed by the right. The left just dismisses it. Uh, and it, But it's ridiculed by the right as ruining the, the whole argument because it made conservatives look like old grumpy grandpas who didn't like rock and roll. They're Those oh, kids today are listening to the wrong music. Here's what Alan Bloom said. Young people know that rock has the beat of sexual intercourse in alliance with some real art and a lot of pseudo art. So he's saying it is art. And it, some of it's not, but it says an enormous industry cultivates the taste for the orgiastic state of feeling connected with sex, providing a constant flood of fresh material for voracious appetites. Never was there an art form directed so exclusively. children. So he was absolutely right about this. Why did it make him sound like an old grump to say it? And I will tell you why. Because art always reflects pop art, popular art always reflects something that has already happened or is happening in the heart of the people. I think that uh, modern abstract art is trash. I think uh, Jackson Pollock is absolute garbage, but it is an absolute expression of what reality looks like when there's no God. You lose the sense of that things have shape, that things matter, that things have meaning. It just becomes splat on a page. So it is art. It's just bad art because the culture is bad. So when you say that something that is truly art, and rock and roll is truly art, when, and, and rap truly art, when you say that something is art, Is bad. You are saying that the culture is bad, and nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear that their cultural moment is low and degraded, and it sucks because they're part of it and they like that music. So you you know that's that's how you get to be called. What did Vanity Fair call me? An old crank. That's that's how you get to be an an actual old crank because art is prophecy. The counterculture becomes the culture, and if it represents the tenor of the times, and that has real life consequences. But people like it, even as it's cutting out the ground from underneath them.
0: Look, I'm going to have to disagree with Andrew here in a couple of things. Rock and roll has no redeeming qualities because it all depends. I'm not one who necessarily separates secular music from Christian music because it all depends on the lyrics and the beat to a certain extent. But it's what is it teaching? And rock and roll from the get-go has always taught to be anti-law, to be freedom of sexuality, things that go against tenets You and I believe in. I'm not saying that every secular song is bad, but you have to listen to it for what it's teaching and songs. Like I mentioned, secret lover, which is glorifying adultery. No bueno. This song like unholy, I haven't heard that one, but if it's glorifying adultery, once again, no bueno, your thoughts.
1: I think. In as much as maybe where I sort of agree is that what we see today is much more explicit, right? But the point that he was making from Bloom's book is that the seeds to this explicit stuff were sown back then. Oh, yes, no doubt. Like, right, you can find songs where it's, you know, some wholesome lyric, right? So in other words, like, it's kind of like, uh exposure right so in other words if this song unholy had come on any radio station in 1950 right i'm pretty sure a couple of towns would have like gone yeah. up and mm-hmm. so like that couldn't happen elvis presley could jiggle and whatever it was taboo but it wasn't the full extension of where this was going and as much as that was his point i think i agree as far as the specifics about Different songs. I didn't actually know that fact about "Sympathy for the Devil" about the Christian Malvo. I didn't know that.
0: Mm -hmm. that. As I was listening to that, I didn't know that either. But that's just exactly the point, though. It 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 leads a seed. What's the title of the song? "Sympathy for the Devil," and that's what you remember, and that's what plays in your head like an earworm. And as far as the Beatles, they were into the occult and Satanism. How do I know that? Just watch our video on Aleister Crowley. They had them on their album cover. Why would you have a Satanist on your album cover? Sergeant Pepper, Little Heart Band, or whatever it was called. Just check out the video. So all these things we have to be discerning. That's all I ask. Just be discerning. But the thing is people turn off their brains and listen to this. Look, when I used to listen to this kind of music, I used to be a big DMX fan. But then I go back and realize, man, he was talking about raping 15-year-olds for kicks and giggles. Who would ever promote that? And yet he was a very popular rapper in society. And Eminem too has songs about killing his wife and drowning her and their children. That eventually will play on your thinking unless you're grounded and have something to help you filter those things out.
1: I once went to a camp meeting where there was a pastor named Louis Torres, and he's a former, he used to play uh, guitar, I believe, either guitar or drums, mm-hmm. but for a rock band called Bill Haley and Comets. As he was getting into, he told his testimony at this camp meeting, and as he was getting into this music industry, like, he knew some of the key players in kind of the advent of rock and roll, some of the big name record producers and stuff. And, like, the term rock and roll, point he brought out, came from there was a music critic in New York I believe it was New York City, could have a city wrong, but it was a music critic and he saw like a taxi where <laughs> a couple of people were doing the dirty, doing the dirty, dirty in the back seat. And the car was, in his words, rocking and rolling. And that's how he ter- came up the term for this new kind of music. So like mm-hmm. the point that he made that people have a base understanding that the the beat of rock and roll is ultimately sexual.
0: Yes. And you know what, Joey? And look and examine some of the lyrics and you will find a theme behind them. And not only will you find a theme behind them, they're all pushing against God's teachings. And that affects society. That song that I talk about, Secret Lovers, uh, rose to number one. Number one song in, in adult contemporary music, talking about adultery. What does that say about society? So Joey, you shared a couple of quotes with me. Let's look them over as we wrap up this video.
1: This first one is by James Madison here. And it says, what is government itself, but the greatest of all reflections of human nature. If men were angels, no government would be necessary. If angels were to govern men, neither external nor internal controls on government would be necessary. And let's go right into the Alexander Hamilton quote. Alexander Hamilton said, "It has been observed by an honorable gentleman." That a pure democracy, if it were practicable, would be the most perfect government. Experience has proved that no position in politics is more false than this. The ancient democracies in which the people themselves deliberated never possessed one feature of good government. Their very character was tyranny, their figure deformity. And the reason why these quotes, why this Andrew Klavan video prompted these quotes for me, like made me think of them, it's because what he said about culture and the point he made is like nothing happens in culture, right? some piece of art or whatever that hasn't already happened in the human heart, right? In their society's heart, right? So we, we can talk about the Kim Petrus and Sam Smith video. We can talk about the Beatles or, the Bill Haley in the comments, we can talk about all these rock, these people, but these people, their art had an audience because something was happening in the human heart, right? We were losing, I know, in the early part of last century, right, evolution was being introduced into the classroom, right? And kids, their characters, their lives were being formed in this knowledge of, no, life really started by this long processes, coincidences, and chance. And free love was happening, right? And, like, these other things were happening, right? And so the people's hearts, that's the kind of art that they elevated. Right. And so when we talk about, and I believe the, the title of Clavin's episode that we took this from ultimately was uh, how to start an American Renaissance and what he said is he's like, it starts in the hearts of the people. And that's why those founders quotes stuck out of me because, and there's another one I didn't share, but John Adams said, our constitution was designed for a moral and religious people and was wholly inadequate for the governance of any other. Right. And the point that Hamilton made about democracies, why do democracies fail? It's the passions of the mob, right? So in other words, when you have a citizenry that isn't grounded in virtue, right, which you can't force, you can't force people to be virtuous, mm-hmm. but you can incentivize virtue. And when you have a population that's, ru- that's run by people who aren't self-governing, right, ultimately you're going to lose your free God. You can't, you're not going to be able to have freedom for long, right? Because licentiousness and anarchy lead to just total disorder. And eventually what happened? A Caesar comes, a Napoleon, a you know some strong man comes. And so it's like, when we talk about preserving liberty, ultimately, we, we can't separate that from a conversation about personal uh, as a Christian, I would say, conversion and come to Christ, but even just in a broader context of a semblance of Christian, you know and Jewish virtue has to be the majority belief, right? I, I think of, so the, the editor of Christianity Today is an elder, uh, a Baptist by the name of Russell Moore, like some, many the things he said, but there's something he said, which I partly agree with where he said, you know, the death of cultural Christianity is a good thing because, um, cultural Christianity wasn't so great. And I agree with him to the point of like cultural Christianity can become rote. And so I agree with that. But I think when there was a level in society that, you know, there was a Christian expectation, right? So in other words, there was the expectation that children's programming wasn't going to have sexual stuff in it, right? That's a Christian idea. That's a Christian standard. And I do not I do think that was a good thing. So it's, in other words, it's balancing that line. And I think bringing it back to what Clavin was saying is like, In our own personal lives, we've got to make sure that God's law is written on our heart, right? That virtue is written on our heart because that's ultimately how we can spark a revival, right? A revival doesn't start, certainly doesn't start from the government, but it doesn't even start from your pastor or, you know, some high Christian celebrity. It starts in the individual heart. And when the people's hearts change, that's when the culture will change. As long as their hearts want sex, drugs, and money, right? That's what the rap and the rock and the movies are gonna give you, right? You have to cultivate better desires.
0: From a non-religious standpoint, that only happens if you are sincere about going after truth. Truth has to matter more than anything else. And when desires, hedonistic pleasures take over your rational brain, that's when we get the society we have today. And Clavin was talking about the heart. And it reminds me of the Bible verse. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we see that in the music industry. We see that in the movie industry. All this debauchery. It makes me laugh. Hollywood is against the Second Amendment, which we're not. We're pro-Second Amendment. Yet their blockbuster movies all have to do with violence. Talking both sides out of the mouth. They're never going to give up the shoot em up, bang em up movies, even if it's futuristic like Star Wars and lightsabers and all that. Why? Because they're hypocrites. And so wrapping up here, we got one final quote. I want you to read it and then we'll make our final thoughts known and we'll wrap this one up.
1: It would be far more consistent for nations to abolish their statutes and permit the people to do as they please than for the ruler of the universe to annul his law and leave the world without a standard to condemn the guilty or justify the obedient? Would we know the result of making void the law of God? The experiment has been tried. Terrible were the scenes enacted in France when atheism became the controlling power. It was then demonstrated to the world that to throw out the restraints which God has imposed is to accept the rule of the cruelest of tyrants. When the standard of righteousness is set aside, The way is open for the prince of evil to establish his power in the earth. I think it fits right in. I mean, it's a great way to tie this episode up, right? Because it's like, right, society, right? And obviously the left kind of has cultural dominance right now. It's all about, we got to throw off these standards, right? Christian morality is oppressive, right? If you're gay, it's oppressive that marriage is just between a man and a woman. If you're, if you believe that you're a man born in the wrong body and that you're really a woman, right? Like, it's oppressive, the laws of nature that God made to say, you are a man, right? You want to pollute your body and mind with hallucinogenic drugs, right? It's oppressive that God says your body is a temple that you don't own, right? These Christian morality points, our society says, oh, these are oppressive. But it's actually what we see is the opposite, right? When we throw off these restraints, right? It's not, we don't get freedom, right? We don't get joy, certainly, but we don't get more liberty. We actually get less, right? We become less controlled, right? So in other words, one example that comes to mind, right, is think of fatherless homes and think of all that that's right. And one thing you could say, well, we threw out the shackles of Christian sexual morality and, you know, now men and women are free to do whatever they want and, you know, it's fine and it's it's not socially unacceptable. And yet what's been the result of throwing off that restriction that Christianity or Islam or kind of reasonable atheism would say, like, no, you should be responsible, right? We've thrown that off. And what's been the result? Well, we have more people, more particularly young men in prison, right? They're not free. We have more people enslaved to drugs. They're certainly not free, right? I don't think anyone would call heroin addict free, right? So we've got less freedom. When we've gotten rid of the restraints
0: and you think of single mothers, more single mothers, the crisis here in the United States, people get hooked on these drugs in the name of freedoms. And then it costs them their life, not only individual life, but their family life, their position in society. It becomes a detriment. And that quote spoke about the French revolution. And I have studied that go check it out for yourself. Don't take it for our word. It became a disaster. And that's where the United States is headed unless we get back to the values that are found in the bible the values that are taught by our lord and savior jesus christ that's where we're headed if you want to see the future if you think we're some no notre Dame's here we're not we're just telling you the truth history tends to repeat itself and when you begin to unfetter yourself from traditional values just study the french revolution And that's where we're headed. But I wanna leave you on a good note. There is hope, perhaps maybe not for society, but for you individually. Seek after truth. You may not believe it to be the Christian truth, but seek after truth. Look at the Judeo-Christian principles that founded this country. Seek after that. Test them to see if they're truth and you will find truth with a capital T and his name is Jesus Christ. Joey, once again, thanks a lot for another episode. And until next time, buddy.